Hi, Ed Clark. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, thank you, Ben. Cool. So the reason why I got you on is because, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, what you do for a living isn't really classed as a regular job. Mm. And so every journey into a job has a start somewhere. And for people that don't know, you are a, a worship pastor and have been for as long as I've known you. So obviously that starts somewhere. So when did you first step into a church and what age? Yeah, I've probably doing, been doing my job now for about six years working in a church. The term worship pastor kind of means that I get to do music in a church. Um, in quite a lot of churches now, that doesn't look like an organ and a choir. It looks like more of a contemporary band with drums and guitars and different things. Like the, the style of music in churches has definitely changed. So for anyone listening who doesn't understand what a worship pastor is, that's some of it. If you told me when I was younger that I would be working almost full time as a professional musician, um, I wouldn't believe you. Um, but it seems that I am. It seems that I can call myself a professional musician. Um, for me, my experience of church and music has always been kind of hand in hand. Some of my earliest memories of church has been the music. Um, it's really got me stuck in. Um, so my parents started taking me to church when I was like, a baby, probably a couple of days old. I was being taken along um, and I've just been, yeah, always felt quite at home in that context. Uh, it really was, yeah, the first time I went to church was from a young age. My memory is kind of just growing up in that context. Um, but that was really where I was introduced to music um, for the first time. So then did you play in worship bands or has that been your main scenario in what you've done so far? Yeah, well, like all people, I started out and I was not particularly good um, at all. Yeah. I think I got my first... Made two of us, made two of us on that one. Yeah. I was given my first guitar when I was 10. Uh, it was a present from my auntie. Um, she definitely won best present that year. Uh, I started having lessons at school. Um, they tried to teach me classical guitar. That was not what I was in for. Um, when I was at home, my dad would get me listening to things like Queen and Poison um, and bands like that. So all I wanted to do was go to school and be a rock star. Um, yeah. <laughs> at the age of 11, I started... Um, having guitar lessons that more aided that style, um, that style of playing. Um, but before all of that, the first guitar lesson I ever had was with a guy from church. Um, oh, and yeah. he, he gave me uh, he gave me a guitar to play, and we were having our first lessons together. And it was guitar lessons like no other. It wasn't learning how to read music. It wasn't learning any sort of um, technical skills for a guitar. He taught me some chords. Um, and then we just had fun writing songs and having fun with what we we're doing. Um, the first song I wrote was terrible. Um, I think it went, I had a dog. His name was Scruff. My dog is dead. Now I am sad. <laughs> I will get another dog. Um, and I, it sounds silly, but I was able to kind yeah. of bring a creativity to the guitar. I began to kind of find, find myself through that instrument. Um, I then went on to, I like, played throughout secondary school. Um, I was lucky to go to a school in Southampton that was a performing arts school. So I spent a lot of time playing instruments there, playing with different bands. And then suddenly we got to, um, uh, we, I was chatting to the one of the pastors at the church and he said to me, well, why don't you come and play? Why don't you come and play? Um, and it wouldn't surprise you that I wasn't very good then either. Um, I think the first time I played, they didn't turn me on. My my amp was turned off. No one could hear me. Um, I thought I was doing a good job. 
Um, but they, they, those guys really took a chance on me. I was probably 14, 15 at that yeah. point. Um, and more than anything, they encouraged me and invested time um, into me. And if I look at where I am now, where I kind of do this job, and I'm very thankful that those, those guys took a chance. Um, they let the 14-year-old, um, I think I had a um, Matt Black Gibson Les Paul, um, or not Gibson, an, an Epiphone. Oh, yeah. Knock off. And... What I've got there, that's a Epiphone Les Paul special. Yeah. I was like, I really want one, but I, like I can't afford it. Yeah. No, Epiphones are good. I've got mine. Um, mine was called a Gothic. Um, so definitely oh, yeah. they had a surprise when I turned up with this like Gothic heavy metal guitar um, and start, start playing very simple worship style music stuff. So do you remember what your the first worship song you actually like learnt? Um I can I can remember. <laughs> Out of yeah, everything but, you've you know, you've probably There's probably played. two that it goes between. Um even now one of my favourite worship songs is a song called In Christ Alone. Um and I remember mm-hmm. yeah, I remember standing in the congregation as uh the electric guitarist in the, the worship band in that church. Yeah. Um, played this fantastic intro to this song where all the bands were playing together and he was picking out the melody on his guitar. Um, and I thought, oh, I, I want to do that. Um, so I said to my dad, I, I, w- I want to learn how to play that song. That song is the one I want to. So at the end of the service, we went um, and spoke to the person leading and he gave me um, the sheet music. Um, I could not understand sheet music. That was no help. Um, but we were able to like record the part the guitarist had played so I could go home and, and play it. Um, and then the other song is a song called Happy Day by Worship Central. Um, that probably beca- comes when I was beginning to get better at playing guitar. And suddenly I was going to YouTube to w- w- work out how to play <laughs> parts of the song. Uh, and uh, there wasn't very many tutorials for kind of worship music yeah. at that point, or at least songs that my church was playing. Um, but there was one for Happy Day. Yeah. So I remember watching, yeah. um, watching the guy from Worship Central um, teach how to play that song. Even now, I could pick up a guitar and play you that part mm-hmm. um, all the way through. I do remember. <laughs> well, the first worship song I ever learned to play was um, it's a song called Jesus, You're My Superhero. I remember that. Cause... I remember doing that, yeah. Yeah. Um, that song ate yeah. very quickly. Um, the chorus was, um, yeah, Jesus, you're my superhero, better than, better than this and that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember the only kid who knew what Yu-Gi-Oh was. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. When you got to the um, better than Yu-Gi-Oh, and everyone's like, what's Yu-Gi-Oh, what's Yu-Gi-Oh? Well, maybe I won't say because it doesn't seem to be cool anymore. But I, yeah, that action man Barbie, I do remember <laughs> that song. So you mentioned how when you were first playing in that scenario that the other musicians were taking a pun on the 14-year-old kid. So like, were there other people your age when you were doing mm. that stuff or was it just playing with adults at that point? Yeah. Um, the church I was going to, they had like a youth band um, and they were people, they were people yeah. that were kind of much older than me, four or five years older. And I, I had them on a pedestal, I'm quite sure. What they were doing was really cool. I wanted to do that. Uh, by the time I started playing, those guys had actually kind of all finished and moved off to university. Um, it's a church is a weird context because you get such an amalgamation of like age range. Um, I don't think you go to any other context and you see um, young adults yeah. mixing with like your retired elderly elderly yeah. people, and it is this 
it has this power to bring people from across generations yeah and, definitely and the same is true for my experience in music a lot of the playing i was doing was with people who are much older than me people had much much more experience i'm not sure you'd find that anywhere else outside of church yeah yeah to play um, across generations yeah weirdly enough when i first started i was playing in a worship band so i was about 10 or 11 and I went to a, um, a day where they were like putting on different activities and this was the one that I grew up with up the road and looking back this was probably very rare there was a band there just playing music it wasn't like worship music or anything they were just simply jamming out and funnily enough the drummer at the time was our friend Freddie Munier Munier Still don't know how to say yeah. his name. So that's how I first met Fred. So I was about 10 and he must have been 13-ish at the time. And so that's how I began playing with playing with Fred. It then all spiraled. They were like, we'll take a punt on the 10-year-old kid who's just looking at us playing as well. So when did you figure out that you wanted to try and pursue a career in this weird old, what could be presumed as quite a um, age job where, you know, it's mainly working with adults and people of an older generation? Mm. Well, I think it helps to be growing up yourself. Um, so I, I played, oh yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, I played at that church for probably seventeen, eighteen years, yes. and then you got to ask that big question of yourself: What, what am I going to do with my life? Um, and I, I thought there might be something in this whole music church thing to be combined. Uh, I think at that point across the UK, there was a growing understanding from church leaders that actually having someone who is responsible for your music is a good thing yeah someone whose job it is to look after the team and look yeah. after the music mm -hmm. of the church uh, especially if you kind of break down a typical church sunday service probably about 50 percent is going to be the music portion um and uh we began to see churches invest in that so i actually did an internship um i did a year out before even considering university and different stuff like that. Uh, I did a year that was aimed at training to be a worship pastor, worship leader. Mm -hmm. um, I did that actually with the guys who wrote Happy Day, oh. um, a group, Worship Central, who are they're based up in Birmingham now. Circle I was moment, uh, right able next. to spend a year um, doing a training course with them, um, traveling up every couple of weeks to do sessions and do stuff online. So like that was when I really began to see that oh, yeah this is something I could do it's like training on the job like an apprenticeship I, I was working in a church that had a big music team that was doing a lot with music yeah and I was given yeah I was given a role in that I was actually kind of full circle again I was given the youth ministry worship stuff to look after so I started working with um 10 year olds 11 year olds who were playing music wanting to get involved mm -hmm. in church so mm -hmm. i was given that to invest my time in and that really began to show me that there's there could be something to this for me so how old were you when you did the internship with um the guys who wrote happy day uh probably 18 19 I think. Okay. yeah so straight after, straight after college okay um levels and then went, went to do that <laughs> cool and so then had you finished that by the time you got to love church or so that was at love church um was so it? Yeah, i moved okay. to college moved to bournemouth sure and then this internship was based at that church love church in bournemouth oh yeah it makes sense oh then you were going up okay cool so speaking of how did you find out about love church in the first place 
Well, I, I, I came to love church almost by accident. Oh, yeah. To be honest. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to do this internship thing. Mm-hmm. So I went on the internship website yeah. and looked the closest place that ran it and the closest place was love church oh uh, okay so i did my application i did an interview with the guy at love church um and then i turned up um one sunday afternoon in the summer having having never been to this church before i had no idea what i was walking into <laughs> um but i almost decided i was going to spend that year with them doing this training thing didn't know what i was walking into i was very lucky to walk into a church that actually had um, big vision for music stuff. So they're like recording EP and they had a real high value on quality and content and and community around it. Um, So very lucky I could have turned up in a very different context and who'd have known that I did. I just got this place that was, that was really having fun with church music. And that was something really life giving. And you, you became part of that a couple of years after think i started i did i i did in february 2020 mm. and then obviously the next month yeah it all went time. yeah and that happened right so you did the internship and then you accidentally become like jamie's right hand man was that just like a natural fit or yeah um, jamie was my boss um he was the he was the worship pastor there i was his intern um so i'd worked with him for a year being his assistant I think he'd worked out by the end of that year that I was quite a good assistant and it <laughs> was easier. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing his like the admin part of it. Yeah, we worked really well together. We had a really good relationship. Uh, it coincided with me continuing some training after the internship year. So I uh, applied locally to start studying theology, um, which is the kind of pastor part of the worship pastor job title. Yeah. So I um, got a place to study that as a degree, a place called Moorlands. Um, and the way their course worked was that um, you kind of study part time and then yeah. church context the other half of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that was really easy. I was able to stay at Love Church, mm-hmm. working with this guy, Jamie, learning off him yeah. whilst also doing a degree at the same time. So I had the best of both worlds going there. And so while you were there, um, from what I'm aware of, there was a groundswell of people going there and the band growing and the youth and the young people being part of the bigger picture. So do you remember thinking, OK, you know, we've got something special here? I, I think it's always nice to do something you enjoy with people you enjoy doing it with. Yeah. Um, and, and that was always a big focus for us. So we're trying to mm-hmm. build and look after this team who would lead yeah. worship for this church. We had, at, at points, we had five Sunday services. That's quite a lot for a church in the UK. Yeah. Um, so we had two different sites. So it was a quite a big team. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked after like all the people who played music, but also did all the kind of sound, lighting, the screens, projection, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And we, we had a team of about 70 people mm-hmm. doing all of that. Yeah. Which is quite big, quite a big uh, thing to organise and run. Yeah. Um, so it was all a big focus for us. Actually, this is not just a kind of turn up on Sunday. Yeah, and just do the job, go home, don't get paid for it. Yeah. Um, actually, we want our volunteers to feel like they're coming to be part of something. Absolutely. Um, so I'm really blessed to work with some absolutely fantastic musicians. Um, lots of people, lots of people who I've learned quite a lot off of. Yeah. Just through spending. time with them mm. um and similarly people like people who are fantastic at doing sound mixing mm-hmm. uh mixing 
band, um, doing light shows, all that sort of stuff. Freddie Media, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. taught me how to program and run light shows. So I was able to spend that time That's cool. really learning off them. Also investing in other people. Yeah. Um, it was like it was a community that was able to invest into the time and talents of others. Yeah. So was our mutual friend Craig, was he there when you arrived or was he there subsequently to you to being there? Yeah. Craig was a he was a musician on the team. He also did a lot of our sound stuff. Yes. He then got a job at the church much later. He became the production man. Mm-hmm. Um Craig was there from almost the very first Sunday. I think he came on came along to the second. Um I love church is quite a new church, so I think it's eight or nine years old now Mm -hmm. um but he was there second service they ever did so he was yeah he's an og (laughs) um loved it i came along four or five years in Mm -hmm. um so they'd been there a long time before before i was i'm aware that alex Tompkins at this point he is a og but but as far as i'm aware like he wasn't there like from the very beginning like he came so the same sort of time as you or was he there before you Alex was there a couple of years before. Alex is one of those guys. Um, he's a fantastic musician, a fantastic person, uh, personality, and, and pastor. And, and we almost swapped jobs quite a few times. So just yeah. whilst I was on my internship year, he was employed by the church yeah, yeah. Um, to do a little bit of worship leading. He also did our comms and creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as that internship year came to an end, um, he moved off for a job in something else, which then opened up the job for me to become Jamie's assistant. Yeah, okay. Just as I was finishing my time in Bournemouth, um, Alex became the worship pastor there yeah. as well. So we've done a. I've, I've worked with Alex a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so he's been there a long time. He really carries the culture of that church, especially what they do around music. Absolutely. Um, he he's a culture carrier. He's an example that. I know lots of our young people will look up to him and, yeah. Like, oh yeah, if I could become better at this, like Alex is, that's my aim. I'd, I'd share that aim. Um, I learned a lot off the guy. That's cool. So I mentioned previously how I joined in February 2020, and then literally it was just under a month later the pandemic hit, and so obviously everyone was monitoring what the situation was and obviously with Sunday services with everyone being in one place so I guess what was that period of like not knowing what was happening or what was going to happen how were we gonna do this without knowing what was going to happen and were there like any plans of what was going to happen yeah well almost overnight the whole our whole job changed yeah um, our job was really about gathering people together, gathering a team, a, a congregation, a group of people, yeah. and spending time in, in worship. And then suddenly we're told we can't do that. Yeah. Um, so it, it was funny for us because actually we'd run quite a big youth event the day of the announcement. So we'd invited a, um, a guy called Governor B down to... Oh, I, I remember that. I remember that, yeah. ...do a concert at the church. Um, we'd sold loads of tickets and then only half the people turned up yeah um because they're super aware of um this this new thing called covid yeah um so we kind of knew doing that that the timing if we'd done it the day after we wouldn't have done it at all because the day after was the day that we, yeah we were told to shut the thing down mm-hmm. um so yeah it's kind of like okay we're going to do this and then it might look a little bit different yeah. for the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. but at that point yeah. it was only like it'll be a couple yeah. and then we'll we'll be back to normal <laughs> um, it was only when the reality really dawned on us it's like okay this, 
this has some big implications for what we do week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Um, we began to use the language of pivot, mm-hmm. the stuff that we normally do. We kind of pivot to to be online. Mm-hmm. Um, so allowed, we began to think, how do we take this and how do we online it? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was an exciting time as well, I think, as, as much nerve-wracking. It was kind of new and exciting we had to learn how to do this new thing yeah i especially spent quite a lot of time thinking about streaming and yeah the technology behind that the vision behind how we approach doing that mm-hmm. so i mean i quite enjoyed it it was nice being under pressure a little bit yeah well you're doing something completely new i'm sure that like, regardless of the pandemic live streaming may have been in the works at some point mm. but obviously having that event and needing to you know definitely held us in that address whether we liked it or not yeah we had this big acceleration like we only had like a couple of weeks um we maybe cancel something for so long yeah yeah so like we can cancel church for a couple of weeks but after that it's like okay we need to work something out and we need to work it out quick yeah and at the same point that i turned up we also had dan welbury turn up as well who's of the king of the online church now so having yeah. him around well, yeah must quite quickly you realize that you, and knowing you need people how to and you need do the this skills in that people one have. way or another rather um, than so having we brought, to we learn brought down in stuff and um, i say we cameras um, the church youtube stream and as, all that sort of thing hard experience um in digital marketing um communications that was his expertise yeah. he ran a company that did that um, so we brought him in to kind of spearhead the, the <laughs> picture of actually what does what does church online look like? Um, yeah. So we yeah identified people like him. We identified um, yeah like photographers, videographers, people that actually knew what they were doing with a camera because we did not. And um, we okay, yeah. we need to buy some stuff probably. Um, we found some money to buy some stuff, but what on earth do we mm. get? So we're able to identify some of those people in the congregation to um to yeah. help us steer yeah. us in the right direction for some of those things <laughs> yeah Absolutely. And so then being a member of the worship team, that was recording ourselves both visually at audio and learning how to use audio interface, which weirdly enough, I'm using the audio interface that I got for yeah, doing remember, all that. I'm um, using that for this. So allowed, it's actually worked we out quite well. Though obviously for people like me who windows, are fairly sort of techy, them you know, I don't know everything, the, but from school stuff, I'm aware of how to plug an interface into a PC and record yourself. But not everyone knows how to do that. To develop and a lot of skills that we otherwise possibly on wouldn't have. To people talking um, through how so to do this it, and it, uploading it stuff to Dropbox. For us as it was definitely a learning experience for all of us in playing. a weird way. Um, so some of some of the earliest recordings were hilarious because we'd have like a drummer send in a, a take of the worship song, and he, he was a jazz drummer by <laughs> by trade, so he played it very much style. We had like a funk basis. He's in a funk function band, and he played it in that style. And I remember some of the first recordings we sat down to. It's like this just doesn't work. Yeah. Like we're trying to get the drums, the bass, and they're playing different styles. And um, we've got then like the classical, classically yeah. trained pianist who's playing everything. Like, it really taught us as musicians to think about what we're playing, think about how what we play can work with other people, work with other members of the band. Um, like I, I think I like personally, I'm a much better musician for it. As much as it had a lot of, it was a difficult time for a lot of people. Um, for me, my um, <laughs> musical development, 
I'm really thankful for that time to be able to invest into the different things I was able to invest into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a result, there are different churches in different places now that you can watch their live streams on a Sunday or you can watch them back so people can have multiple live streams. And it's also meant that people can then discover other places and then join in and join in with other things. So I think it was definitely something that was going to happen. But I think probably wouldn't have happened as quick as it did in the grand scheme of things. Hello. Just interrupting this episode to ask you a quick favour. If you like what you're listening to, give it a rating, leave a review, and subscribe to the podcast feed. It helps more than you could imagine. Now, back to the episode. Um, Western music has definitely, I guess, broken a bit into like mainstream music. I do personally think that was always going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I think if you look look back in time, you'll see that um, religious music or sacred music at one point was secular music. Um, like if we think about classical music, a lot of classical music is written um, for the context of worship, but it became popular. Um, and that, that was true for a long time. Um, and then secular music changed, uh, changed in style, it changed in content. Um, and then the, from then on, you began to have this divide between kind of secular and sacred music um and i think it takes a really good artist to be able to step between both um because the hope of what we're doing with christian music and christian influenced music is that there is um, an essence of truth to it and that's what we believe that's what as a church pastor i would say I, i think there is a truth to it i think there is something authentic about it and i just wonder whether that's something that actually people are looking for um, I always used to joke with my brother. He was he was massively into rap music. Um, I said I I could write a rap song like that. It's just talking about you know big bottoms and <laughs> and and, words and and gang fight all those things. And that's kind of stereotypical stereotypical um, rap music. There's not very much depth there. Um, and uh, the music I choose to listen to, there's there's depth. You kind of understand the artist's story and the authentic. And I think there is something that the church can bring to that. Um, recently, there's been a resurgence in the popularity of gospel music. Gospel music is a, a style that really easily steps between the two. Um, I don't know if you come across the Kingdom Choir. Uh, the choir who performed at Harry and Meghan's wedding. Yeah, they did that. So I, they are a Christian group. Uh, I've seen them at Christian festivals leading worship, like leading an hour of gospel music worship. And then you see in a secular context where nothing's much has changed. They're still singing the same songs in the same style. Um, That is a, it is a stand between um, those two genres. Um, So it's nice to see, it's nice to see um, that when it takes place. And there's lots of artists that kind of step between um, the two kind of sacred and secular worlds of music and i think it it takes a lot of talent to be able to be kind of reachable to both those audiences uh, for both to want to listen to you Uh, governor b is another one um like writes songs that are based from christianity there's a lot of christian in there uh, but he writes it in a way that is accessible to everyone so what's a christian song on your spotify that you're really like listening to at the moment and that it's just constantly playing on your playlist uh, I knew that question was coming, so I actually just <laughs> after in front. Of 
um like lots of stuff i at the moment i'm definitely finding that i'm listening to a lot more gospel music than i used to yeah um so like there's a group called maverick city who are putting out gospel music they're giving a new flavor to it um yes and like a new style um coming to worship and a lot of contemporary um popular worship music is coming from them so i'm i'm a big fan of that uh, like well my musical tastes can really they jump yeah um so also like there's a song um called you never let go that's yeah kind of um co-adapted by governor b and a guy called travis green um and i listened to that and like there's a lot of gospel influence there but also a lot of r&b yeah um and i just every now and again i listen to something like that and it's like oh this is really fresh yeah this sound sounds like something i've been wanting to listen to but i haven't found it and then i've just clicked onto it and it's like oh this is music to my ears quite literally As I so do, I was in the States last summer, um, went to the local church because well, I was, I was going to go to at least one service just to see what it was like more than anything. And then the girl that was singing knew the person who I'd gone with mm. and she happened to be on a break from touring with the Maverick City Choir, which was mad. Yeah, I listened to Brandon Lake and yeah, and we're with enough. So there's a movie on Netflix that was released I think, last March called One Week Away. And it's basically detailing this kid about 16 to 18 sort of thing. And he's basically been sent by his parents away to a Christian um, summer camp. And it's basically his journey of not a self-discovery, but you know, so being more open to the old Christian way of living, that sort of thing. Though as a result of that, they've reworked a lot of both older and newer Christian music. So they've used a lot of um, Michael W. Smith, A Place in This World, and they use Our God is an awesome God who reigns. And they mix that with another song that I don't quite know. But a couple of years i would not have seen that sort of movie made and especially not for quite a young audience because even though the whole church scene has definitely become more appealing to the youngest but it's still quite stereotypical to the older generation who went to sunday school and they go yeah so what's your opinion on even those stereotypes have definitely been lessened of church being fairly like an older thing to do do you see it being a place for younger people to meet because i love church it's got a pretty good demographic but have you seen a younger demographic i guess come forward if that makes any sense we often talk about a um a missing age bracket in church talk about the missing age bracket of 18 to 25 year olds that seems to be where people who've been going to church for the first part of their lives they they kind of move away for a period of time or it's it's the age demographic where we see least growth um organic growth of people coming to church for the same time uh for the first time um so I've been lucky to work in churches like Love Church. You've got a real vision to reach those people. Um, they want to reach the people that no one else is reaching. Um, and, I mean, we're able to get really creative um, with doing that, trying to find ways of making making young people realise that church is for them um, and that they have a place in it. And, and there is a place you can come where you can ask some of the big questions of life. Um, that was always the easiest way to get people in. Um, like we give them free food. Free food always helps. It does. Um, it does. I mean, it wasn't. It, it wasn't like we had to force them through the door. It's like, like come to this place and ask the questions you want to ask, and we'll like look at the answers together. Yeah. And that always worked really well. Yeah. Um, 
I think, yeah, some of that and the creativity that was involved yeah. um, really worked. Um, I, I do think it is, it is remarkable that church has such a good balance of those age ranges, but it does change from different church to different church. Yeah. I mean, I'm working in a church now in Southampton that is kind of, there's a higher demographic of elderly people, working professional yeah. people who are looking at retiring. The average age is probably 55, yeah. whereas when Bournemouth, um, working for Love Church, the average age was probably like 26. Um, so those are very different kind of um, kind of um, nuances to the church. Um, you'll always find that. You'll always find churches that have a higher number of a certain demographic. Um, but it's nice to see across the whole whole spectrum um, people from different ages and stages coming together. Absolutely. And so then how do you see it changing in the long term, whether or not you think that the demographics are going to even themselves out yeah. or whether or not you see it going this way or that way? Or is that looking too far like decades down the line? It's impossible to know. I'm quite sure there's people more, much cleverer than I who are making those sorts of um, uh, estimations. Um, I don't know. Um, what I hope for is that we continue to see some of those trends, that we continue to see people coming to church. I mean, that's my job. That's my job as a pastor is to hope for that. And I do. It would be nice to see see more people come. I think we've got to work for it. Um, we've, got to, we've got to make sure that the example we're giving of Christianity to people is authentic. It is um, accessible. Um, and I think that there is a challenge there for churches to consider how that is done um but yeah i definitely hope i hope that we see more and more people coming into these spaces into these communities um and finding finding other people um and also you know, finding finding god finding a relationship with jesus would be would be my aim so obviously with the name of this it's called reaching the crescendo and obviously it's everyone has their own idea of, of where they want to get to like career-wise or that sort of thing so where do you want to see yourself um in the industry you are now do you see yourself stay in the pastor role or where's your you know, i want to end up there it's a weird question i don't know it's a weird question. um like the sort of job that i'm in there is not that much of a career progression yeah um my job is not to make myself famous yeah um i don't want wouldn't want that at all so the idea of like going on tour or releasing an album i mean stuff like that is cool i definitely the opportunities came up i wouldn't i wouldn't turn them down but <laughs> um i don't necessarily think that's what i'm called to or that's what well, my major talents lie i don't think i'm going to write an album tomorrow that's going to be the next the next big thing um what i would like to do is keep working with people um, especially I think the worship side of things will always be uh, part of my life music is my hobby as well as my job um, is what I would choose to do in my spare time um, so that will always be a part of my life but I've really enjoyed working with people working with young people um, seeing them develop seeing them understand themselves better believe in themselves um, I've done a lot of that sort of stuff and that that brings me great joy um, so yeah I think kind of yeah, where would I want to be in 10 years' time? Probably working for a church like I am now, yeah. doing pastoral work. Um, not necessarily in a greater sense. I mean, I just hope that I, I get 10 years down the line and I'm still enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still doing the same um, 
kind of reasons to do what I do yeah. each day um, that would be a success, I think, more than kind of progressing up any sort of ladder. Yeah, um, yeah I'd, I'd like to become better in myself. I guess that's the crescendo. I'd love to get more experience and be able to understand and help people better. That's probably my big crescendo. Yeah. And just on a personal note, is there like anything you, you want to improve at as a musician or that sort of thing? Because obviously there's always something we want to like get better at in a musical sense. Yeah. Um, so my main instrument is guitar, probably lots of guitar-based instruments. Um, for a long time now, I've been trying to expand that. Um, I started learning piano at the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdowns. I'm probably, what, maybe three mm-hmm. years into playing that now in two years don't remind me three years um maybe two yeah um and (laughs) i'd like to get better at that i think it's such a diverse instrument playing the piano yeah um and it gives me this Mm -hmm. understanding of music where i'm able to arrange and consider how music is working not just necessarily strumming chords on a guitar but actually thinking about harmony melody yeah how that all works so i'd love to Mm -hmm. i'd love to be able to get better at that to be able to play like jazz piano lovely jazz piano very nice well ed it's been a pleasure speaking to you and for me personally to find out how you got to where you are today and how everything you've done has um got you to where you are now which to be completely honest does seem to be your dream job in many ways it is and it seems like life is going pretty well for you mm, yeah yeah um, I'm a man. um yeah absolutely so in that case ed clark it's been a pleasure thank you very much <laughs>